Hello, world. Hello, everyone. Hello, Hello people. That thing I dudes. That thing I do. That thing I do. That thing I do. Duders. Duderinos. Duders. Duderinos. Welcome back, everybody. Um, we were just, I don't know, what's been going on this week? I see random things. You asked me if random thing, anything random had happened to yeah. me, and everything is random, of course. Like, it's all random. Sorry, random. I'm sorry, random. Sorry, sorry random. random. I don't know. I'm, I'm wearing my PJs today, which is nice. Uh, I don't know why I feel felt the need to say that. I just you're comfy today. You're comfortable. Yeah, feeling comfortable. I think this was tied to the fact that our guest this week is Lance Bass, and we started the interview before we recorded, where he was saying that he was in his workout clothes just in the event that he decides to work out. Always prepared. And I thought that was really funny because, like, at what point do you? I don't know what I'm trying to say. No, but I, I, I'm listen. I I'm with you. I do the opposite. I never wear workout clothes because I, I know that once I put it on, I, I'm so, I get so hyper focused on it that I have to work out. So I just don't do it. Right. So it's, it's a good insurance policy of making sure that you work. I guess that's what I was, tr- my brain was trying to say is that it's sort of like willing you to do the thing you're supposed to do. Like I've had exactly. days during the during the pandemic, especially early on where we were just, all of us were really, really, really just at home with no other option where I would like get up and like shave and put on like a nice shirt (laughs) and pants and like, you know, a little cologne and try and just like, just to make something of my day. And like when I would work, I felt like really like, ah, yes, like go get her. Cause I sort of incepted this different energy of like, instead of just like sitting around in like my sweatpants, which is always fun, but I just needed to shake it up. I don't know if that, if anybody listening to this might relate to that, but sometimes it's just fun to get dressed up for no reason i mean i've been trying um i've been trying wait well hold on one second i'm getting inundated with dad texts what's he saying what's dad saying my dad my so i talk to my parents like 25 times a day it's like that now that danielle alana and i do not live at home that's sweet though i mean we haven't lived at home for like years now but i think as they get older i think that they just crave more of a connection with us which is totally natural and normal i mean yeah it's i I don't think anybody listening to this is like what so now my dad is that's my dad is texting me asking me if i want any fruit from costco that's so sweet i know i know but i'm also like dad you know that i like i don't really eat fruit it's all it's almost like the because I'm diabetic, <laughs> so he's like asking me if I want fruit. And I'm like, oh yeah, Dad, I I can't. I mean, so sweet that you want to feed me, but this is actual poison for me. So I love you. I don't need watermelon. Oh. But in his brain, I think that sometimes my dad just it, he doesn't make the connection because he because fruit is healthy. It is healthy for you. But however, right. for me. Not the most. So I think for him, he sometimes he's just at Costco and he's like, oh, what do, do my kids need anything? That's very, 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 yes, very sweet. It's very sweet. So I, I got, he, I got no he's just he's texting that. me. Nice. He's just texting me to ask if I want anything from Costco. Shout out to my dad. Yeah, I was going to say, that's also what happens when you live like pretty close to your parents. I know. I'd be still, you know, like, you know, I'm still in the valley. I'm like, I'm probably never going to leave, you know? Who knows? Until someone gives me a reason to. Someone wants to like whisk me off I to. Mean, you, you got a good thing going, man. And also it's like when you're on tour all the time, it's like it's nice to have a home base. Literally, I know. And I love the Valley. Family. And I hate that it gets such a bad rep from people. And it's it's such an eye roll for me. I feel like this podcast has been nothing but like a PSA for, for how, how great cool the Valley is. The Valley is. I've never, the only remote stigma that I would attach to the Valley is for people who are not from Los Angeles, who grew up in a certain time where the word Valley girl became synonymous with the sort of caricature of like totally like whatever, like that, that archetype, which is sort of not actually a real thing. It was and can kind of be in the same way, like there can be, look, hey, look, hey, I'm walking here, have a fucking cup of coffee. Like, that's an exaggerated version of a New Yorker. It's not all New Yorkers. But, like, that was the only thing I knew about the Valley. I didn't know where it was geographically. I didn't know what, what was there. I just I just associated it with sort of a, an unflattering picture of, like, you know, a, a distorted version of, like, Cher from Clueless. But other than that, and she wasn't even a Valley girl. She was from Beverly Hills. So that's right. totally in itself a, But they a make fun of the Valley in that movie, too. Oh, maybe. So maybe it hit harder for you because you're from L.A. So when they would make fun of the Valley, you'd, you'd hit it. Because I didn't, I didn't process it because I wasn't from L.A. So I didn't know, like, the geopolitics yes, of, like, the difference between the Valley. they make fun of the Valley in that movie, too. Well, as far as I'm concerned, the Valley is pretty fucking Thank cool. Thank you, Darren. It's great. 
Thank you, you know, Darren. You've definitely dispelled whatever whatever uh, negativity there might be. I will be here there. probably until the day that I die. I'm really trying There's to hold it down. I'm trying to hold it down in the valley. Well, you know who else is in the valley? Without getting specific of what region of the valley, our next guest, by way of Mississippi, Valleyite. is now. He's a valley, valley boy himself. Um, the great Lance Bass of, of course, NSYNC was nice enough to let us sort of talk at him I know. <laughs> for a little bit. We screamed at him a lot. Because I'm fan. S is fan. Yeah, we, we had a lot to share with him. him. And he was, you know, I think it's really nice that um, this happened to me with, um, I'm going to name drop here. But when I got to, I got to meet and work with Mark Hamill. And as obviously, you know, it's fucking it's Luke Skywalker. Luke it's kind Skywalker. of hard to like separate this this huge cultural figure from this person and one of the things i like telling people about my experience with him is that he was supremely aware of how much he meant to me he was supremely aware of how much he means to people that he symbolizes something that's so much bigger than who he is and and i really appreciated that i think that probably comes with practice and and age, honestly. I'm sure when he was younger, it was probably a lot more annoying. But Lance has always been extraordinarily gregarious about his time in NSYNC, and he knows how much it means to folks like us, Esty. And he's been a pal in Los Angeles for many years now. And uh, even when we were talking about it, I, was, I'm just, I still try to be sensitive about like not like asking about the things that he has to talk about all the fucking time. Right. But it's very clear in this interview that it's something that he looks fondly on and is happy to share with because we are genuinely interested and excited about it and we love sharing our love for him and and for the group and for the music and and the place it has in our lives so that was kind of cool it was nice to hear him like be so um open about all that could stuff you hear the 13 year old sd come out at any point because i did that was the entire that was the entire i, 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 I was like heard i was fully 13 year old darren yeah, yeah braces acne the whole thing my little pony shirt Jayco yeah jeans. i mean i'm sure that's what he's, he's used to it that was you. I, I, that's who I heard during the interview. Yes. I, I had my first, I didn't want to, I mean, I really didn't want to let my freak flag fly too much. I really did at, at some points, but at my bat mitzvah, again, I know we talked about that, this with Carly Rae Jepsen, but at that very bat mitzvah, I had um, like the slow, like I wanted there to be a slow skate, like to like hold hands with like the person that you liked. Yeah. With a, with a boy, of course. Yeah, and I did a slow necessary. skate to drive myself crazy. Wow, that's a great song. That is emblazoned in my mind. Holding hands. I lie awake. It's like a drama. I mean, it's like a perfect skating song. I can't sing. We can't sing it. Legal's going to get I, I got three words in. Okay, you got three words in. They, people know the song. If not, mm-hmm. go go out and listen to Drive Myself Crazy. But yes, I, it's you know, there's just so many. My my life has been peppered with, you know, so many sync moments. And I, again, I'd never, I've never like talk to him before. So this was a first for me on this podcast. That was cool. I was thrilled to be able to introduce Thank you for doing that, that for me, that Darren Chris. So you. I'm so appreciative. Let's get into it. You can hear you can hear our appreciation in this interview, guys. Here's Lance Bass and that thing I do. Woo! Hi, good morning. Good morning, Lance. Hello. Thanks for joining good us, man. Morning. Well thank you so much. Nice to be with this, you guys. This is a first on the pod for me. This is a first. Why is that? Because I've never met Lance, not to my knowledge. <laughs> no, I don't think have we, we have. met. I don't no, think I don't we think met. So. Probably maybe in passing. I feel like I've met you guys because uh, I did come to Coachella when you performed, but you were on stage. And oh, I was fun! In the, and I was in the real, real back. You were like this, this teeny. Yeah. You know, that's <laughs> there were a lot of people there. It was. Yeah. It was. It was intense. <laughs> It was a great, I mean, it was a great weekend, but man, I wish I had met you at Coachella. That would have been fun. That would have yeah. tracked with every episode we have. Things tend to, I mean, God, that, this is so I LA. Know. I can feel my eyes rolling. I can feel the eyes of the <laughs> listeners rolling of the LA <laughs> Hollywood people, but it tends to somehow come back to Coachella a lot when we talk about meeting Always. people. And in fairness, logistically, like actually statistically it makes sense because if you're in the entertainment industry you live in Los Angeles and you subscribe to a certain amount of entertainment, like that is one of the biggest like summits of mm-hmm. those people, of those like-minded people. So it stands yeah. to reason that you would be there. I also was in the back somewhere watching and <laughs> cheering for, uh-huh. for, 
for Haim. This is so cool. I've already. This is I'm really like, cool. I'm, We're I'm talking so, about Lance I'm Bass. I'm so in awe and so incredibly starstruck right now. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I am. I swear on That's the Torah. Sweet. There's like so many. There's like so many memories that are just. Like flooding back to me points in my life. Did you ever make it to an NSYNC show? You know, I didn't. Because I never did. I wish I did. I never got to. I wish I did too. Well, because my parents were just so like, they were so tunnel vision classic rock. So anytime my sisters and I wanted to go to any pop show... It was a resounding no across the board. They were like, <laughs> they were just like, it's it's not the Doobie Brothers. We're not going. Pop music. That's that's the devil's music. That's the devil's music. We need we need the devil's music from the seventies. Yeah. Right. I was like, wait, this this is not fair. And like the only the only time I ever got close to going to a pop show as a kid was I had a friend who took us to a Blink-182 concert for her birthday. And my parents couldn't say no to that. It was a birthday party and free tickets well, to a Well, it's a rock show, show right? They pl- they're they like, you know, in a and punk band. And that was band. a rock Somehow show. Yeah, Fell in love um, with the with girl, the girl with the at the rock, rock show. show. Love it. Lance, when you were a kid, what's what shit were you bumping? What was the what was the, the stuff that you wanted to go see? What was the music that you that your parents didn't like or did like? Yeah, I mean, it was strange because I grew up in Mississippi where I felt like we got everything years later <laughs> like right. things that would get popular would come like five years later and we were i was so eclectic with what i listened to uh, i grew up listening to my my parents records yep. which was like wolfman jack episodes of like 50s and 60s wolfman. music oh wolfman yeah. jack that's so cool. i would like listen to those things yeah and of course beatles rolling stones but then the 80s were amazing because that's when i really fell in love with pop music, you know, Michael Jackson, Madonna, Janet. I mean, that, those are those are my jams. And then I went through a country phase, too, in the 90s. We're from Mississippi. It's your birthright, baby. Well, boy, and the thing right? is, you know, being in Mississippi, we were like, no, I'm not going to like country. Everyone expects me to like country. So we, like, you know, oh, pushed against so- it. But then right. Garth Brooks brought me in, and I'm like, "All right, this is this is what I like." And so Garth is. I mean, man. he he brought in millions of people around the world. God <laughs> yeah. bless him. Yeah, him and Reba McIntyre. They they got me. Why did I telepathically know that you were going to say Garth Brooks for some oh, yeah. reason? But my question is: Were you a Chris Gaines fan? Oh, um, I was not a Chris Gaines fan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If he's on the show, we won't we won't tell him that. Oh, I think he's retired. Uh, <laughs> but I think it was a cool idea. It's just the execution wasn't so great. It was all because of that damn wig was just not working. Right. right. Uh, and then then his appearance as Chris Gaines on SNL that also ruined it for me. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> it was a little too strange. I see. That's the thing. I thought that it at the time again. I thought that it was a little kooky. But now looking back on it, I think he was making yeah. art. Oh, it, see, today it would have been so brilliant. Art. Like, it was, yes. He was yeah, way just, ahead of his Just time. the commitment yes. to the insane idea. For so our younger listeners that might not know what we're talking about, the the prolific country career that is continues to be and that certainly was at the time, Garth Brooks, at one point took a sidestep as an alter ego named Chris Gaines and did appearances and records as this guy. And we don't support a, a a busted ass wig, uh, unless it's unless it's an intentionally funny thing. And it wasn't. He was really he was being sincere with he it. He was really being sincere with exactly. it. And uh, I forgot about that until you asked. It was like Chris Gaines. Holy shit! I haven't yeah man thought about that. In a while. Chris Gaines needs to come back when he's like in his eighties, right? Like real oh, old Garth with, Brooks. With like a, the wig, a gray wig. <laughs> That's so good. And just like and like, a ZZ top and a yeah. ZZ top beard. Yeah. Just like and, a and long, he's, and he's gray. actually in on the joke this time. Yeah, I'd be I so know. into it. In fairness, <laughs> I don't know because the alter ego took such a front seat to the the artistic move. I don't remember the songs. I I feel like if he heard yeah. me say that, that would sound like murder. I yeah. but like I don't remember. Oh yes, of course, the seminal Chris Gaines song. I just remember the seminal Chris Gaines wig. That's it. Yeah, that's all I can process. One of my number one eBay searches always is original Chris Gaines tour merch t-shirts. Oh, wow. No, what does that go for? I have a, <laughs> you guys, I'm like, I'm, I'm letting what my item? flag like, fly what do you a little have? bit. Yeah. I have a Chris Gaines shirt. I mean, that's a collector's item. Yeah. That's point. what I'm saying. 
yeah, that's what I'm demand. saying. There's only a few. There's a finite number of those. I know, yeah. but I mean, it's bootleg. But it doesn't matter. Even better. Even better. <laughs> I don't know. I I have a bunch of like weird eBay like bells on for like yeah. weird yeah like weird vintage shit. I don't know. I'm a weird. I'm a that. weird collector of of stuff. I think it's also been the pandemic where I'm like, what shit do I not need at all? Yeah, I think a lot of people that I can buy. Right. Oh, I'm so bored. <laughs> I get. Oh, I thought you were saying what shit can I get rid of? You're like, what shit do I not need that I can consume? That yes. I can yeah. add to the pile. And I'm the opposite. Are you just you're trying to get rid of stuff? Are you you're, you're, yes, you're like Marie trying Kondo-ing. to purge? I'm such a hoarder, right? I mean, I have Me so too. much stuff. In fact, right now I'm going through my storage unit things where they, you know, take pictures of all the boxes and I'm seeing what I can get rid of, but I I save everything. I'm trying to cut that out. I want to Lance Bass. Lance Bass, this might be the perfect marriage between you and I. Give it to me. Okay, I will give you all of my junk. (laughs) We will take it. I mean, I even have like ticket stubs from the last like 20 years that are just, you know, it's in my memory box. Oh, me too. It's the worst. I have lots of memory boxes. Can I orally eBay? I'm saying buy Uh right now. I'm I'm pushing the buy. Okay, I'm going to put you together the best box ever of just the most random Let's! shit. <laughs> oh, honestly, I will, what you take, wish for, SD. I will uh-huh. take your oh, tissues yeah. from 1999 if you and still fact, have you them. You might get like, 20 boxes showing up at your house. <laughs> oh, this is literally like, I, this is early Hanukkah. I have Hanukkah. a question about this. So w- with all the stuff that you have, I talked to, I, I think it was either you, it may, it may have been JC, I talked to him about this because when you have, I mean, all of us, have now memorabilia from like shit that is like, you know, a big sort of rocket ship moment in our lives, whether it was like a big, the first big record for you guys, or for me, certainly I have a lot of Glee stuff. And, you know, we've all been lucky enough to have a, a, a piece of, you know, a cultural pie that I think a lot of other people, they see this stuff and like, wow, this has a lot of value. And you're like, hi, ah, but I have, I got to get rid of it. Do you keep this all in storage? Or, I mean, a lot of times I'm sure you guys do stuff for like charity stuff and mm-hmm. you auction that off, but you, the sheer volume for you is like is so much larger than what SD and I may or may not have a, a, a accumulated in the past few years. Like, what do you do with that stuff? Because it's weird when you have. I this was something I want to ask Marie Kondo if I ever meet her. It's like she has all these rules of stuff of stuff you can get rid of that you say thank you to and you let go. But what exactly. happens if it's a thing that you know could potentially have meaning and value to another person? Like, what do you do yeah. with that shit? Because you know, NSYNC as a, as a whole, like doesn't belong to any of us, right? It's like, a, it's bigger than the sum of its parts. It's this like magical yeah. other third party thing that, you know, fans around the world love. So what do you do with that shit? So do you still have all that stuff? I do. I do. Cause you know, I collect all this stuff thinking, okay, one day I'm going to organize them, be able to display them in a way or like, I don't know, do something with it, but I just, I never, never do. Uh, but I do keep a lot of stuff in storage just because of those moments of like charities or like the hard rock or any, you know, one wants some kind of fun stuff. I like giving it to the hard rock because they store it in their own storage and it's just there whenever I need it, which is nice. Right. And it's cool because then, yeah, it has a living, a living like monument to itself. It's I, I mean, I can see the thing that I see in your future, Lance, is making your own Dollywood. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're speaking my language, Esty. <laughs> can you? Where the South. You know that yes. I would be the number one visitor. If I could go, I, I mean, I see your house right now. If you turned mm. your house mm. into a Dollywood, I would be What's there. What's it called, Esty? What's it called? Yeah, what is it? Lancelot? Is it Lanceland? <laughs> I, I mean, listen, Baseland. I live in Baseland. Oh, that's right. Oh. We're we're both bases. Yeah, we're both bases. Yes. I, I mean, I do. I mean, I would go. I I would go there because tis my world. <laughs> I can't believe your last name is fucking bat. Like that's just. I know you've had to deal with this your whole Slapping fucking the life. the bass, man. Like what a convenient fucking thing. It's unreal. I know. Look, I was either going to be a fisherman or a bass singer and a boy band. I mean, those <laughs> yeah. <are> other <laughs> they're not mutually exclusive, man. You got to get yeah. a picture of you with like high pants it, with a fishing yeah. rod and a bass around oh, yeah. you. Do you fish, Lance? Uh, I used to. Yeah. I mean, growing up in Mississippi, I in love In Mississippi, fishing. would you go fishing? Oh, yeah. All I've the time. never gone fishing. Neither have I. It's fun. Californians. Yeah, I love it. It's fun, and I've always wanted to do deep, uh, deep sea fishing because I would love to know what it feels like to try to pull in like a marlin. That'd be fun. Whoa, that's that's yeah. hard. That's I've hard. I've seen yeah. those fun. videos. 
I've seen yeah. those videos. It looks a little scary. I'm not going to lie. I know. That's why I like it. But you're an adventurous guy. I mean, like I, I was going to use this as a segue. I mean, uh, I know you've had to talk a lot about it famously, you know, your publicized visit to space. I actually don't want to get into that so much as, you know, here on that thing, we tend to talk about just like the very interest that everybody has, everybody has. So how it all kind of ties together. And so if, you know, if you're really into baking or if you're really into, uh, you know, if you're really into, uh, you're, you're an artist, you like to draw, but you're primarily known as a musician. We kind of like looking at all the different sides of people and space in general has been like a big theme in your life like space camp and you as a kid always wanted to like, what was it about space? Like, cause I'm going to take, take that out of all the art fun stuff that you've gotten to do musically and as a producer and all the kind of more performing art centric shit that you've done. When did space outer space, space travel come into the equation? I mean, it came into my life early. Uh, I think it was probably eight, eight or nine years old. And my grandfather took me to, Cape Canaveral to watch my first shuttle launch and well in person holy shit oh yeah that's gotta be pretty intense and I was just so hooked at that moment like oh my gosh this is incredible because I love I even as a little kid I love the idea of the adventure behind it all and going places where no one else gets to go and like discovering things and so that's when my path started going straight into space uh I mean even at such a young age I knew I was going to go to school and become a space engineer so that, that I could like work my way up to become an astronaut. Like I had, I had my life set up and then all of a sudden NSYNC happened. <laughs> oh, well, I oh, mean, you did, you did it. go, you did go where not a lot of uh, human <laughs> beings have gone before. I mean, that's its own kind of, I always call it the rocket ship, but you literally did go into space. I mean, space cowboy, if I'm being fucking specific. I knew you were going to do that. Exactly. Was that was that done because they're like, Lance is really in outer space. We should throw him a bone. <laughs> no, actually, we did that song way before my space mission. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but like you were still into space, though. That's what I mean. Like it oh, must yeah. have been like a theme that you love to do. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Do you think there's a tie to that? You know, you're just saying with fishing and like, you know, that's that's intense. That's that's not just going to a creek and like, you know, fishing for like whatever it's like minnows. Or I, I don't know. I don't know what fishing terminology is, but yeah, deep sea fish fishing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's what you do, right? You just don't you trap minnows. I have no fucking yeah, yeah. Um So <laughs> when you so this kind of like yen for adventure and like the great beyond, like. Do you think a piece of that was kind of satiated by the insane hero's journey adventure that would become NSYNC? Was there a piece of that that, or was it like, no, nah, this is a detour to my great life adventure? I think NSYNC was the biggest adventure, uh, something that I never even could dream of, right? So uh, I loved, you know, being able to do what we did because, you know, especially as a teenager, you know, you didn't know what was going on in the world. And all of a sudden you're thrust into having to grow up very quickly and living all over the world. It was quite the adventure. Yeah, but And I also, I'm being careful with my questions because it's like, you know, every type of question has been and will continue to be asked of your time in NSYNC. So I'm trying to like, I'm trying to avoid it. <laughs> I'm trying to like not think of the <laughs> same impossible. shit. That, I know. How, is that is that a bummer for you or is it something that no. you've kind of embraced or? No, not at all. I mean, I... And I love talking about it because one, I have the worst memory in the world. So the more I talk about it and tell people, they'll they can remind me later on in life. And I've Things lost all my memories. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. So I like to go on record with a lot of things because it's funny because I wrote a book years ago just because I knew I Best wanted to get title ever down. for our oh, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> Lance wrote a book called Out of Out Sync. Out of Sync. And uh, this was after you came out, right? Yeah. So what, like, again, this is this is almost as good as your last fucking name. It's just, like, really good. We love good puns here oh, on yes. thing I do. Such a fan. Oh, yeah. That is such a great title. <laughs> but you were saying, so you released your book. Yeah, so, you know, I just wanted to, you know, get my stories out. I wanted to talk about space for the first time. I wanted to talk about my coming out story. And then, of course, I talked about NSYNC. But it is so funny going back and reading some of that and then talking to, like, the NSYNC boys and going over stories that, I completely got wrong. I'm like, what? That's that's not where that was? Or that didn't happen? Like, no. So it's crazy what your brain will make you think that you right. did back in the your day. Your memory is flexible. I, I always say thank yeah. God for other people because I just wouldn't remember anything. I used oh, to have a same. good memory. And then I started working in the entertainment industry. And then my, my accounts suddenly was 
totally convoluted yeah. by you know my own. It's just nuts. Oh, yeah, I don't remember shit. I feel like I remember middle school better than I remember the last ten years. Agreed. Right, because you yeah. were the central character, and you were the only person responsible for remembering that shit. Whereas now, other people have versions of you that you're like I, and you do it so often, playing shows, meeting people, being thrust in a new situation that it's like you can't keep a fucking pin on every single thing. I mean, the thing I, I remember, so like I, I just for my, my personal archives that I can file away in my brain, the thing that I want to talk about, and it's probably not something that many people even, well, I think people our age remember, but maybe, um, I really want to talk about TRL. Oh yes. Our, our, our breeding ground. I was one of the people in in the pit below the TRL studios with. Did a you sign. make it out to New York? Do you oh did my that? God. Oh my God! God. Yes, that was a dream I did. For me. I to, wow, that's cool. Well, you know, I as a kid, I really wanted to go to college in in New York. So my parents, my version of New York was Times Square. We never went to the Lower East Side, which was what I ended up. Like when when I went to New York, it was Midtown. That's what I thought New York was. Yeah, it's like a touristy thing. Yeah, years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So when you're a like, kid what, from what California in that time, it's like Times Square, Carson Dale. That's where it was going on. That's where Broadway. Yeah, of course. Oh, that was all was I wanted to too. do. I wanted to see Broadway shows, and I wanted to go to TRL. I tried so desperately to be inside the studio audience. Never got it. Um, but I was downstairs with a sign trying to get people's attention <laughs> and i just it feels like i it's like the one thing that i i wish could come back i just don't know i know if it would be the same it's hard well you know they tried it and it was not it, it, it did not work um you, you know can't show that lightning back in the bottle bro no you can't and it was a different paradigm you know it was like right. back totally. then you, you didn't have cell phone really and you didn't you know every kid had to run home from school to be there at the same time to see what exactly. your top 10 was yeah it was i mean it was a juggernaut of a time and uh it was it was amazing but i don't think you could ever recapture that magic do you have a favorite time that you guys went uh do you have like a favorite appearance because hmm. i remember all of them <sighs> Oh yeah, I do not, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> I know there was. I mean, there was a lot of great memories with when they were doing that. Remember, want to be a VJ? Yes. Of oh my god, Jesse Camp. Yeah, Jesse Camp. So when Jesse won that, we were actually some of the judges, and Dave Holmes was also with. Like he was up for it too. And yes, and Dave man. Holmes. He Dave got Holmes, second. Man. Yeah, it's funny. I ran into again because I'm such a psych, like psycho fangirl when it comes to all things MTV, just because of my childhood. And I ran into Dave Holmes at a Starbucks in the Valley of all things. He's I'm, a cool I'm from the Valley, I born really and like raised Dave in the Holmes. Valley. He's so cool, and I was such a big fan of his. He's a great journalist too. Now he's he's a great writer. Well, yeah. that was the thing. I had my insulin pump on. You know, I'm I, again, I'm like, I want to be super visible about having diabetes. So I had my insulin pump on the back of my pants. And he was like, I just became diabetic, too. And then we became diabetes. We followed each other <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> He's so cool. No, a very, very cool club. Yeah, Dave's the best. Lance just reminded me of something which is totally true. I forgot about this was that when we were talking about the different paradigm, I did used to run home to like catch a music because if you if you didn't see the music, it's just like when you didn't see the show, unless you recorded it on VHS, which was possible, but very sort of tedious. I would run home to see the new music videos and I would run home mm-hmm. and like catch the end and be like, fuck, fuck, I missed it. God damn it. <laughs> I didn't yeah. get to see the new and sync video, the new even Limp Bizkit video, yeah. and I was just watching the Woodstock documentary for Woodstock '99, and it, it's so interesting because you don't know at the time kind of what's going on, what's so interesting about the confluence of culture when it's happening, and you're too close to the to totally. the microscope to understand like objectively what's going on from a distance, and uh, it was yeah an interesting time where all these genres were on top of each other in the popular zeitgeist, and it created yeah. this very strange division that I felt the after effects of as, you know, like a, a, a very, very young teenager. And I remember very specifically as a musician and I would, I, it was hard for me to articulate like we're, I went to an all boys school, right? So they really into like, you know, all that hard fucking aggressive male 
rock, which I loved. I fucked with corn. I fucked with Limp Biscuit, yeah, but I also too. fucked super hard with NSYNC. And I remember when No Strings Attached came out, I already had the first album. I had that and I had the new Limp Biscuit record and I listened to both. And I remember going, these are both cool. And I don't, not because I was some like, you know, progressive kid. I just, without very much like life experience to like wrap my brain around it. I just remember going, I like both of them. And I don't understand what this like division is. Like I'd sit with my guitar and play Limp Biscuit. I'd sit with my guitar and play and play the NSYNC tunes and be like, it's all so cool. Like I don't I know. get this. And it was the first time in my life where I realized music has nothing to do with the marketing. And I remember trying to explain to my buddies, like, you don't get it, man. This shit is cool. And they'd make fun of me. And I just didn't care. I was like, you guys are crazy. Like, this shit is dope. <laughs> just wait 15, 20 years when you guys are like in your like mid 20s and something like, you know, bye, bye, bye comes out in a club and all the dudes who used to fucking quote hate it when they didn't uh-huh. actually hate it because they weren't listening <laughs> to the music. They were sniffing it, as Esty says. Yeah. You you go, oh, this shit brings me back. Like. All that shit is bulletproof when it becomes nostalgia. And I've so relished watching those people grow oh, up and go, yeah. this shit was pretty cool. And I'm like, yeah, bitch, I've been, I done been trying to tell you that the whole time. <laughs> oh my God. Same. Same. I had the, uh, I had chocolate starfish on the hot dog flavored water. I had follow the leader in my, in my so cool. CD cases next to no strings attached. Yeah, and every it was great. Record. We all played together. You mm-hmm. did, and I. But mm-hmm. I think that was actually part of the reason why. I mean, all those things kind of put together. I think that's like the reason that, like, the way that we write songs. I think is because of that, right? And our pop yeah. sensibility, and like the like because there were all these different, you know, fun sonics kind of rolling around in our head because we had exposure to so many different kinds of music yeah it was popularized in one place and i do remember i remember uh very vividly this moment where i was so obsessed with corn and limp biscuit as a 13 14 year old i was in middle school and i had like you know the the lunchbox with like the anarchy sign on it and the black eyeliner and like the black earrings and like the jelly necklace. And I remember sitting in my house. I was so like brooding and emo. And I remember watching TRL and Carson Daly being like, okay, so we have this new, um, this new band uh, with this new song. This is a TRL exclusive. This band is called the strokes. And this song is called last night. And that was on TRL on TRL. Wow. And I remember watching it and seeing Julian Casablancas play and simultaneously like wiping off my black eyeliner and like unscrewing. It's a new identity. Yeah. I was like, (laughs) oh, this, yeah. I was like, oh, this sucks. And literally the next day, like, went to an Army Navy store, bought like a pair of bell bottoms and like a a green Army jacket and was like, oh, this is, this is what's cool now. I completely like, like left all of that other shit behind. Like I did not listen to new metal ever again. Um, I still listen to pop music. I still listen to NSYNC and Backstreet Boys and Britney and Christina, Jessica Simpson. Mm -hmm. But I was so hyper-focused then on like indie rock. And that changed the whole trajectory for me. How influential that shit is. Yeah, it can just be like, this is cool now. And you go, okay. It's like the Wolfman. Yeah, you were I was talking, like, okay. Like you were listening to yeah. Wolfman records. Wolfman was the OG, like, well, maybe not the OG, but like certainly on the lineage of great sort of voices of music culture. Wolfman used to be the Carson Daly of the 60s. Like he would sit there and be like, he's the cool new thing. And you'd be like, okay, this is the cool new thing. Wolfman said so. This is, you know, it's it's a very, it's definitely now way more democratized than it really was. to bring it full circle wolfman was the bass player in that thing you do oh that's right oh, oh yeah. well, the name yeah wolfman well that's yeah right. wolfman wolfman of course i'm spartacus that thing you do is like a real special movie for the NSYNC boys because we had just gotten together because that was what 96 95 96 oh get out of here wait this is great this is this is perfect for a podcast Go but on. yeah i mean this was this was, <laughs> and, and there you'll see there's a big full circle moment here but so it was the first movie we all, it was one of those theaters you go and you can do like a dinner movie. So you order like food and whatever. Yeah. And it was, it was that thing you do. And we had no idea what the movie was really about, but that movie 
basically predicted everything that we were about to do. And we had no idea because <laughs> we were just dreamed like, God, I wish we could do that. Oh my goodness. Every trope of a successful oh, yeah. group. And each wow. of us could relate to a different guy. I'm like, that's me. That's me. And we would no even way. play, you know, yeah, we would play that music in our first concerts when we lived in Germany. Like that's when we would play our own music. I was the keyboardist and I, we're like, oh, we'll, we'll be like real band. They didn't want that. They wanted us to sing and dance. But yeah, I mean, it was, uh, that, that movie is like such a big thing for our group. And then years later, I remember Tom Hanks, we, we had met Tom and he was talking about that movie. He's like, well, let's just do a movie with you guys. We're like, what? So he tried to develop, he tried developing a movie for us, but it didn't work out. <laughs> but I thought, no I like, way. At, at what point was the band in when you guys saw that? Cause 96, I'm trying to think like, are you, so you're living in Germany at this point? No, no, we were still in Orlando. We didn't have a record deal yet. Uh, we were still, you know, playing whatever little club we could and trying to get attention. <laughs> but it was NSYNC as we know it now was, it was, wasn't mm-hmm. still just forming. It was, wow. No, no. Yeah. Cute, we were, yeah. Yeah. Good times. Good times, man. That's so cool, man. I have a question uh, a little earlier just because I'm looking at the cool stuff in your house because your your husband's a a wonderful artist. I'm not sure if those are all his. They are. (laughs) Speaking of cool like memorabilia that you have around the house, we were talking about stuff that's in storage and stuff that you might want to give away one day maybe to Esty Hyam. To me. Uh Is there anything that you have that is like that is your like uh, this is one of my favorite pieces like I. I'm never going to get rid of this. This one's mine. There must be something. Yeah, there's a certain things that I you know, love. Uh, my cosmonaut certificate, my diploma, you know, I think oh, it's cool. really cool. That's so yeah. cool. I mean, that's super crazy cool. And then uh, with that, I framed this picture. So my, my friend Ed Liu, who's an astronaut, he was living on the International Space Station for six months. My clothes are up on the ISS because it went up before me. And so he ripped off my name tag and like floated it in front of earth and took a picture. So I have that picture of my name tag floating in front of earth with my certificate. So that's, that's like, cool as fuck. that's my favorite thing. That's cool of your buddy too. That's a really, that's a yeah. solid. That's so well, cool. No, he actually did it to be an asshole, but you know, it's still oh, nice. like, here, look where I am. All right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was trying to put a nice spin on it. <laughs> no, no, it was great. Uh, but yeah, that, and then another fun thing that I just, I love, I don't have a display anywhere, but, um, I got to run the Olympic torch, uh, for Salt Lake city and I have my torch is like really cool because it has like, it has the soot on it. So you're like, well, that's the, that's the flame. That's the actual flame. Yeah. It's been going for years. Mm -hmm. Okay. I was. I was asking about NSYNC shit, but that shit's way cooler. That's yeah. so cool. That is so rad. I'm fully mind blown right now. You, you, oh my God, I totally forgot that you did that. Yeah, mm-hmm. you got to do a lot of cool shit. I mean, if we're going to open up that box, it's like, talk about forgetting stuff. I mean, there's so many things. We'll have to, we'll have to read the book. Here's, here's a question. We, we, we talk a lot about uh, touring and recording and all the different facets of being an artist. Um, were you partial to one or the other? Because some people prefer the recording and the music thing and some people really prefer being out there with people but you know everybody's different yeah. did you have a preference you know i was kind of like 50 50 what's great about you know being in the studio i mean i love being in the studio it's so much fun recording with those guys but then when you're done with the album you're ready to go on tour and so okay. you're kind of sick of the you know studio and like and so it was it was perfect timing every time we'd get off the road and get back in the studio because you were just really ready for it. So I enjoyed both equally. Really? That's actually the most fair yeah. answer I've ever heard. But I guess it's also different back then because, you know, with you guys, you had these great songs. And I think so from what I've heard, maybe you can corroborate this or not. Again, I talked to JC about this. You know, this was at a time before the advent of digital recording. You guys were still cutting to tape, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And as such, this is before a lot of digital audio processing and tuning and stuff like this, which is now the paradigm of, of recording music now, for better or for worse. It just is what it is. Um, in, unless you're in. Yeah, I blame Cher for that. <laughs> well, that was a stylistic choice instead of every single fucking note. But yeah. <laughs> JC told me something that I found really interesting, which was, you know, you guys were and fucking are sangers with a capital S and you yes. really had to do, I heard Max make you guys do millions and millions of takes just to get those perfect takes down because there yeah. wasn't a lot of smoke and mirrors at the time. You, you had to yeah. be able to fucking do the thing. 
And so what that tells me is like, man, by the time I would be done with a song, you probably put in like hundreds of hours on something. So I'd be like, all right, we're good. Yeah. Let's sing it for people. It was a lot because, I mean, you know, I mean, you know, harmonies. Uh, we would sometimes do eight, nine part harmony on a song. And yeah, I mean, and there was times like a lot of the songs like Bye Bye Bye, It's Gonna Be Me. I'm actually singing the lead with them underneath. So they put like the bass yeah, one octave lower. Right. Yeah. So there was like, we were just layering it so much. So yes, it would, it would just be hours and hours of, of singing, but you know, we were, it was, our band was a little different because the way that, you know, we put ourselves together and the way that we put ourselves together was all about the different vocal parts. Right. You know, I, I, I specifically joined the group because I was a bass, you know, Chris was the tenor because we were an acapella group at first. Like we didn't, we couldn't afford music. So we were just an acapella group. And that's what really kind of solidified us and, and made sure that we had the tightest harmonies because Robin Wiley, who I'm sure I was going to say, you know, I want to bring up Robin Wiley, who uh, I think was the first person I ever brought up when I talked to you, when we met you. And I, this was however many years ago. Um, Essie, I don't know if you know who this is, but I want to give a huge shout out to this wonderfully dear departed human being who I never got to know. Lance worked with pretty intimately, but there was uh, a ranger songwriter, young woman by the name of Robin Wiley, who I was obsessed with when I was a kid. Cause I'd read the liner notes. I'd be like, okay, Max Martin, Robin Wiley, these people, whatever they're doing, I want to do what they do. And Robin, I think more than anybody, I think I, what's the quote Lance is that she was the asterisk, right? In NSYNC. Oh yeah. She, yeah. She was the star in NSYNC. Yes. She's mm -hmm. the star in NSYNC. So she, um, I think one of the best, and this is for our listeners, I highly recommend them to check out these songs. While a lot of the dance tunes and more radio-friendly tunes of NSYNC are the ones that people might be familiar with, I think the most shining representation of your guys' vocal ability were the songs that Robin Wiley either wrote or arranged. And one, yeah. my favorite NSYNC song, Full Stop Period, is I Thought She Knew, which is the album closer mm -hmm. on, on No Strings Attached. And I remember when you guys did it on SNL. You did it as the second song. You're sitting on stools and you're singing this very complicated harmonic like fucking marathon essentially mm -hmm. and it is so beautiful and it's so muso sd and it's just such a beautiful song that's i remember watching this going like these guys are the real fucking deal anybody who thinks it's just singing and da just dancing around a stage like you have no fucking clue what you're talking about and she was so young was it breast cancer yeah mm -hmm. yeah. yeah gosh it's crazy i'm, I'm was, so heartbroken so i read that yeah, yeah, she was, I mean, she really is who, you know, gave us our sound. She was the vocal coach on Mickey Mouse Club. That's how Justin and JC knew her. And yeah, I mean, and, and that's the reason I'm in NSYNC. I was the last to join. And I mean, Robin lived at our house. And so I went and met wow. the guys the first time. And I thought she knew it was the very first acapella we really learned together. So I was so happy to be able to put that no strings attached years later. Oh, really? So it was, it was sitting around for a while. Oh, I like I had known the guys for two days and we learned that song. After like two days, you other. don't understand that song. Like I used to listen I to love that my song. dad being like, yo, yeah. this is how good is this? Like, surely this will be like connect yeah. the generational gap. Like, look, listen to this beautiful music. I mean, I, I wish I could find someone that had her brain again, because I'm working on a show now where we're putting this group together and I need these harmonies again. And so I'm trying to like, who is the new Robin Wiley? Because I need some crazy, amazing harmonist in there. Uh, but I have you heard? My favorite that she did was... Um, oh, Holy Night? Yes. Yes, I beat you. I was going to say, yeah. Oh, Holy Night. I wanted to give a shout out to the one she wrote, but that Oh, Holy uh, Night is yeah. astronomically far and beyond any... Like, it's one of the best arrangements I've ever heard of any song ever, much less yeah. vocal arrangement. It's like unbelievable. And I, I tend to... I know we get very hyperbolic on the show, SD, because we're very excited, but like, if you don't know this version, I've I know that version inside and out because it is so impressive god damn like i it's i've thought good. about like cutting it myself but there's i just why like why well what's what's the point <laughs> it's so no, it's perfect. beautiful and then she also did we did a thing for disney we, uh we covered when you wish upon a star and that was another I have that version too i have yeah, all the robin wiley yeah. and sick Wait, i haven't heard that i haven't heard that song i haven't heard your oh, version of when you wish upon a star oh yeah that's crazy. a random one mm-hmm she was she was touched. She she really had something, man. That's somebody that I yeah. that I really wish I could have gotten to meet. And she was just so funny too. Like she was one of my favorite people. Like I just oh, had man. so much. Uh, yeah. Well, shout out to Robin Wiley again. I encourage all our listeners to look her up, know her stuff. The you know specifically Oh Holy Night, 
I thought she knew, and then the arrangement on uh, When You Wish Upon a Star. Yeah, and you know why she was so great at that? She really made a career out of Muzak. Like, she would write all this Muzak. <laughs> right, that's which is complex. I love, me. I love Muzak. Uh-huh. I'm obsessed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Very like, cool. she would make Muzak? That was, like, yes. her, like her side yeah. hustle? Like, if you're in an elevator, it was probably Robin Wiley. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. You know, you listen to Muzak on, like, you know, a small brass section and, like, an electric keyboard on an elevator, but then you give it to five good-looking young dudes that can sing their dicks off. It's funny how you perceive <laughs> yeah. the music differently, uh-huh. you know? <laughs> It's all about that ma- that packaging, baby. Yeah. Wow, that's really <laughs> Wait, cool. That's what a great side hustle. What a good idea. Might have to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, maybe you guys, Esty, you guys should start writing Heim music, but for Muzak, and let's see what uh, happens. It would, music? It would kill. It would kill. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if anyone wants to hear that many staccato syllables in a in an elevator. <laughs> that's all I want to hear. In an so elevator. I go. There's da, not enough da, staccato. Da, 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 Oh my god, are you recording this? This is it. This is oh, it. I love it. No, sorry, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if we're cut out for it. So Lance, you did a bit of um, you know, if I'm gonna tie it to my own shit with with Glee, I didn't know show choir existed. I was not familiar with that term. I didn't know that was an actual thing. For me, glee clubs were collegiate. Like I always associated those with like dudes in suits and gloves and like old fashioned. Like seriously, I thought like That's you know really old uh, um what you call like Ivy League, like men, the men's glee club. That's how I thought of it when I was a kid. I didn't know that it was this other. Thing. And I also think the show, because of the convenient pun of glee, kind of glee clubs and show choir clubs all got kind of put in one. Right. category even though they're slightly different but i read somewhere that you did show choir is that correct or you oh, did yeah. like chorus stuff oh yeah did you sd oh i've seen videos i'm oh, also yeah. letting i'm letting my freak flag fly here a little bit there was like a behind <laughs> it, i don't know if it was a behind the music it was like a it was like a before they were dot 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 thing that i watched yeah. on nsync where i saw lance dancing with some girl that's all i remember is like yeah. you dancing with uh-huh. a girl and singing when you were wearing probably sequins like, Yes, yeah. like uh-huh. ten or eleven years old. I'm sorry. I'm le- I'm really I'm really letting my freak flag fly here. But, but yes, was I that do a remember show choir? That. Uh, well, I was in a couple of different types of show choir. So my first one, when I was like, you know, eleven, twelve, it's called Mississippi Showstoppers, and it basically was kids from <laughs> six sorry, years so old cute. to fourteen. It's so cute. Oh, it, it gets even better. We would uh, so like you audition, you make this thing called Mississippi Showstoppers, where they choose like forty kids, and you worked at the Agricultural Museum. Okay. And okay. so you would go around the state and, and all over the country and you would perform these, you know, shows uh, because all your music was Mississippi's like artists from Mississippi. So you would be the ambassadors oh. of Mississippi. <laughs> no way. Um, it was very bad and cheesy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then I, then I got into Attaché, which was my show choir in high school. And I was just very lucky that, um, that show choir, Attaché, was the number one show choir in the world and still is Wait, today. Attaché is in like Attaché? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like a, the, yeah. the cultural gr- Attaché to Greece, which is attache. the line from the birdcage? Yes, or, or a briefcase. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah, know what yeah. the proper, yeah, Attaché. An Attaché. But yeah, so we had the craziest director, David Fair, who, I mean, it's like Abby Lee Miller times 20, like insane. No. I mean, that's I mean, and it, he would scare the shit out of you, but if it wasn't for him, he's the one who really instilled everything I needed to know to get into this entertainment business because I was very prepared to work with the biggest assholes in history. Wow. And then full circle, I created a show that we're going to be shooting. Uh, it's a series about Attaché. Um, and it's kind of cool. like, I don't know if you've seen, uh, what's the show? Uh, Cheer, you know, Cheer, the cheerleading yes. show. Sure, sure. So it's like that, but about the show choir world. Because like you said, um, most people think, you know, show cars like Glee, but uh, it's more it's vocal adrenaline. It's vocal adrenaline. Yeah, 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 it's like exactly. that insane, like over the top, perfect synchronicity. Right. It's impressive to see these teenagers do what they do at such a young age. Oh, yeah, my God. I mean, I, I wasn't in I wasn't in show choir, but I well, I was in Glee Club as a kid. So what was what was that? What did that entail? Because I again, this was not a concept I was familiar with until the show came out. My Glee Club was Dixie King in elementary. Mondays and Fridays, we would stay after school for an hour and sing songs. And my choir director 
the man that was playing piano and like he wrote songs for us. Of course he did. He he wrote he was like retired and he wrote the theme from Gilligan's Island. That's some L.A. shit right there. I love that. And he wrote It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year. Oh, so he lives in a fucking castle. George Wilde. Well, he's no longer with us, unfortunately. Oh, I'm sure he lived off that till the day he passed out. Very Well, he like retired. He like retired and like on his free time, he would literally come to our school and play piano and write songs for us. Like such a brilliant man and like really taught me like about music and like harmony and like I really got a lot of my love for music from this man who was I mean I was probably like seven and he was like 85 I mean I've been told that I'm an old soul but he was literally like my best friend (laughs) yeah you guys would go on like a house on fire oh we would like talk about because my parents were like well my parents and my grandparents were both really into the Andrew sisters because I had two younger sisters yeah, and course. the, the Andrew sisters was three part harmony. So we would talk about the Andrew sisters. We would talk about Edith Piaf, and I was like seven. So oh he... my god, you say Edith Piaf? Yes, Edith Piaf. That's my favorite, favorite, favorite. No. Oh, oh my god. god. These like oh chanson singers of like, uh, you know, I that was my version of of choir, but then. I ended up going to an arts high school that was a that was so rigorous. It was like going to a college like a collegiate theater school in high school. So like my teachers as well did the whole like we're going to tear you down to build you up, which I feel like is like a lot of like what Abby Lee Miller does and I'm, I'm assuming what So it was like it was I just rolled my eyes at that for a little bit. I know. That's, that's it, was it, was it was a lot. It was a lot of like that. It was a lot of, you're terrible, you're awful, don't think you're even close to being able to, like, work in the business. Like, it was yeah. very, it was also very much um, frowned upon to go on auditions as a kid if you went to my school. because oh, you, you're in L.A. In That's quote, probably everywhere. Right. Yeah. So, in quotes, you weren't ready. Right. Of course. So, no I remember... I mean, I watch, I watch um, Dance Moms, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I that was... I, I remember what that felt like. And it's a lot. Yeah, that was my director. But the thing with my director, David, it, you know, he would be like Abby Lee Miller, but he also had a heart. So as much craziness and like breaking you down, he'd also, you know, show his love build to you everyone. Up. So that be was, there to, yeah. to build you back up. That's yeah. nice. Well, like he thank would God for that. <laughs> as long as there's a back end to that kind of menace, I yeah. think that's that's nice. Wait, so I don't know if we're allowed to talk about this, but like you're doing this show as we speak. Yeah, I was gonna say what's 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 the new thing? Yeah. Uh well no, we're we're just pitching it now, so we're not shooting or anything right now. Uh school starts in three weeks, so we have to be uh we have to sell this thing really quickly. But yeah, I think uh, we should be shooting in like the next month. Should we talk about this or do you want us to cut this out? Oh, I don't care. Please. Okay, cool. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've learned that the more you talk about things and put in the universe, that it makes things happen. So like, um, yes, let's talk okay, about it. Okay, great. Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm co-signing yeah. it. I want to watch the show already. Something that I think you guys both share, because I don't know how much you know about, uh, and this is all stuff that's out there, uh, SD, if you're, I mean, it sounds like you're already a pretty big NSYNC fan as well. But one of the things that I admire about both of you guys is that by the time you're successful, it didn't just come. I guess this is the same of any, you know, it takes a, a lifetime to make it overnight success. It's not like you were just like picked out of obscurity. Both of you guys as a band, as a fucking group of people who do music on their own, on their own sort of um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're, 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 they're being proactive about their own musical careers. Yes. Like in the way that you guys cut your teeth in the valley and playing with your parents and like playing shows and then you know, really spending the, you know, the, what is it? The hundred hour, 500 hour, thousand hour, 10,000 like 10, hours, 10,000 yes. hour. I was like, I was making more hours than we need. Like a hundred hours, the 10,000 10, 10, 10, hours of putting the work in, you know, Lance and the boys did in fucking Germany when you guys were like teenagers. I know. Like the fact that you were playing the shows and singing and like really cutting your fucking teeth. It's boot camp. Like, it's boot camp it and is, you guys yeah. did that and i think one of the common misunderstandings when by the time you reach radio is people just think oh they just put these guys together no. some, there's yeah, some, exactly. there's some puppeteer here no no pun intended uh <laughs> yeah. that is that is putting this together but it's like nah man like these artists really did make shit happen and had to have the goods and both of you guys have done that 
through throughout your career before kind of things really popped off in a, in a mainstream way. So I just I think that's that's my shout out to both of you. Wait, right. I just remembered something, Lance. Mm-hmm. I did meet you. Uh, where you don't remember me? I am rem- okay. I took a dance class at the Dome at Millennium. Yeah. In like 1999. And you guys, but then they kicked us out because you guys had like a rehearsal for something. Yeah. With Wade Robson, I'm sure. With Wade Robson. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I waited until you guys left. And it got late. And my I forced my mom to stay with me. And then you guys came out. And I, I mean, I met you as in like, I saw you and said, I love you, Lance. <laughs> like, I love you, JC. I love you, Justin. So oh. and I'd like to think that you acknowledged my existence. I mean, I hope I did. I ho- I mean, I was, I think I was like 12 or 13. Also, in fairness, you forgot about this until just now. <laughs> I forgot about this until just, I mean, listen, I took a lot of classes at Millennium. I thought that I truly, uh, my sisters and I love dancing so much. And for like, I thought that I was going to be a ballerina. And then I, I like shot up and my I didn't have the feet for it. SD Heim, failed ballerina. Failed ballerina. Fell back on music. <laughs> fell back it. on being a rock star. I really did. I was like, fuck, man. I really wanted, be, I wanted to be an ABT. Like that was like, I, you know, my parents took me to see Swan Lake when I was a kid. And I was like, that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So you're just full of surprises. But I would take class with Fatima. Oh, yeah. Fatima. Remember Fatima? Was, yeah, Backstreet Boys choreographer yeah yep because they were all at millennium yeah yeah we found millennium because of wade like wade was a teacher there and that's how we kind of got to know that studio uh-huh well i lived like around the corner from there and so my parents were like oh it's not that far away I'm like we can drive you is that studio city or sherman oaks where was stud that? city oh yeah stud city city how have we never stud heard that city. before how holy shit never- Stud City, born and I raised. I call it Studio. There's an I know at the end no, of it, so I call it Studio stud City. Forgive me for I-O reading. City. But I, but I do love my show. The show Shokes is the best. We're almost out of time, uh, Lance. So I guess I'll end it on on this. I was just saying, you know, with all the different things that you've done, and now you know you're a venue owner, and between uh, you know the club in West Hollywood and things that you're about to do, whether it's producing shows, like what. What's the next adventure? Well, I guess, I suppose kids, right? Yeah. I guess that's the next adventure. Holy shit. I have a few adventures happening. The number one, of course, is I have twins on the way. They'll be here in October. Mazel tov. That's awesome. Mazel tov. Thank you. So I'm, I'm trying to get a lot of things buttoned up before I have to take a little paternity leave. You know, I have a film with Sony that I'm just like trying to get written before that's done. And I have a, another television show I'm doing actually about Lou Pearlman which is going to be great because it's the writers of Narcos. So it's going to be real oh, nice and yes. nice. Ready? Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Do you enjoy the producing side or is there, is there a part of you I that like it. the thing that, uh, I mean, I guess here's, here's the final thing that if I'm trying to tie it all together, like what do you think is at the center of all these things that you really love? Like, is it again, back to the SpaceX? Is it, is it jumping into the unknown? Is it being able to have control of like some kind of destiny? Is it, what part of all of it do you think is the the thing you do that, that is is why you enjoy doing all this stuff? What ties it all together? I love creating. I, I'm a creator. I love telling stories and I love creating and putting, you know, and I, I'm, that's something I just found I'm really good at is writing television and movies and that. I mean, way better than writing music, like way <laughs> better at TV and film. And it's just, I, I found it was my passion and I'm a, I'm a big film and TV nerd and I, I watch everything and I know what's kind of missing. And I'm like, wait, there needs to be a show like this because no one's seen this before. So my, my brain is, is always just creating. I write probably like two shows a week. Oh wow. my God. Has that always been there? Like even when you were, you know, on the NSYNC rocket ship, were you like, I really can't oh, wait yes. to get into producing and writing? Yeah. I mean, like the music videos was always my favorite because I would get to write a lot of the treatments. A lot of those ideas like came from oh, me and, and Joey Fatone and working with incredible directors like, Herb Ritz did Gone and he could tell that I was real interested in, you know, directing and all that. So like he would bring me over and like teach me things. It was uh it was a cool it was like my college basically. You <laughs> know, being yeah. an insane. So cool. Have you gotten to direct? I forgive me if, if you have and I and I don't know about it. I have not I mean I've directed an AT and T commercial, but other than that, no, I have it's not I nothing. don't trust Yeah. But I, I, I don't trust myself on film yet. I've got a long way to go. Yet. So yeah, yes, it, it's yeah. in. So it's it's on the horizon. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, you definitely have the 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 resume the for the chops because you've seen every angle of 
you know, what makes the final product. I think that's probably yep. more valuable than like knowing the difference between a couple lenses at the end yeah. of the day. <laughs> I think that's truly the through line for this podcast is just realizing that if you're creative, it doesn't matter what the medium is. You just, if you love creating, like yeah, you just yeah. pick, pick the, pick exactly. the, the and you work at it and you work at it and you make mistakes and you learn from them. And like, but if it's something, if you love creating, you just want to make things. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. fucking do it. Lance, thank you for showing up for the uh, the creative Mississippi Mafia in Los Angeles that I love so dearly. Uh, thanks yeah. for, for letting us pick your brain a little bit. Some of the stuff that I'm sure you've had to go through a million times. And thanks for letting us just tell stories at you about at you. you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Like I said, I need to be reminded of all this because I'm not going to remember. <laughs> we'll consider this a, a new one for the bank. We have, we have right. recorded on that thing I do. Thanks for joining us, man. We love you. That Thing I Do is a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. If you like the show, which I know you do, please be sure to like us, follow us, and leave a glowing review. Thank you for listening to our show. We'll see you next time. Bye.